Welcome back to Butter With That, a movie podcast hosted by some of your favorite people in Philadelphia. And we, of course, are on the Movie John Network. So check us out there. Check out all the other amazing podcasts that are on that network. I am here with my co-host, Connor. Nope, not Connor this time. (laughs) Nope, the only one who's not here and the one I start with. Good God. Anyway, uh, so I'm not here with Connor. Connor is off doing something else. Uh, but I'm here with Christine and Dave. So <laughs> hi, Christine and Dave. How you doing? Have you seen anything cool recently? Doing well. Uh, and just I, you said Connor first because he's here with us in spirit. Oh, which will just throw him that one out. <laughs> yeah, but only for 12 days. Only for, right. <laughs> More on that later. <laughs> um, doing well. I wanted to pick up uh, where I had left off as far as watching this show, Doom Patrol. I remember maybe like a month ago, I said I had watched the first episode and I think I had, I summed it up like I thought I was going to like it and then I hated it. And then I was like, oh, maybe this show is okay over the course of literally just the pilot episode, which is an unfair way to evaluate a show. I am one episode away from finishing the first season and can really strongly say that I like it a lot. Um, It's a show that has some really fun characters. I think that right now a lot of superhero genre shows and TV shows are leaning heavily into the this is a new telling of this superhero's character because it deals with their trauma. And it's like, I feel like sometimes stories can like lean in too much into it in ways that don't feel like it's doing the character justice. Doom Patrol, I think, um, does a wonderful job of exploring some superheroes we don't know about uh, that much about and use like dealing with themes of trauma in a really nuanced and sensitive way and at the same time there's some really really funny moments um as well and all the acting is really really good and brendan fraser is a wonderful wonderful all of them are so good but it's really wonderful to see brendan fraser um just in his absolute element so i give doom patrol a hearty thumbs up i think sometimes it thinks it's smarter than it it like it really thinks it's smarter than it is, but it is a blast to watch, and the char- characters are really, really wonderful. So I'm excited to watch the next two seasons. Awesome! So glad for Brendan. Well, I've been um, sort of trying to trudge up things in order to stay on top of this year's uh, new films. So I've been going back and watching um, some older stuff that was released earlier in the year, and some stuff that was just released really recently. Two of which. Uh, stand very much at odds with each other. One of them was a movie that came out earlier this year, Sia's directorial debut, a movie called Music, which um, I would say is bar none the worst movie of 2021. Uh, And I've seen some real clunkers this year. So um, I I would imagine that uh, when we do eventually get to our 2021 awards episode, uh, you'll be hearing more about me on that. Uh, But you'll also probably be hearing more about uh, Jane Campion's new film, The Power of the Dog, that's starring uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Kirsten Dunst, and Jesse Plemons, uh, all of whom turn in pretty interesting performances, but I would say the film on the whole is pretty phenomenal. It really kind of got my heckles up because it rings uh, 
as far as atmosphere, very much like it kind of and shouldn't be compared to, but it just drew my mind to There Will Be Blood. It's sort of a you know a grand uh, early 20th century Western story that has a kind of constant undercurrent of menace throughout that really sustains it, and it's got a real gut punch ending that is really, really deeply satisfying and unexpected. And at every turn, the movie keeps kind of shifting in new directions. So I found it to be really fluid, really interesting piece. It was incredibly directed. And uh, Christine, one that I know in particular, you're really going to dig. I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, I, I really love Jane, Jane Campion. And we should do Poetry Month so we can talk about Bright Star, which is mm. my favorite Jane Campion movie. And... Maybe Power of the Dog will take that place, but excited to see it. Really awesome. Um, actually, Christine, I thought about you when I was watching something with my family too. Um, there's this series on Netflix called Lamont. I think it means the mantis, but it's a it's a French language mini series. I think there are six episodes, and it's basically about a a, a woman who was murdering men they called her the mantis she's eventually captured but then about 30 years later there's a copycat killer and they enlist her help to to catch this person it is very very good very well done and i thought about you christina as i was watching it the the woman who plays the mantis she kind of reminded me of you in 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 some ways and i was like hmm yes Um, it's all coming together my story (laughs) but outside of that I watched both voluntarily and then involuntarily I watched the get back documentary on Disney plus the the documentary about the Beatles um it was very very good super long Thanks, Peter Jackson. I could have used like a little bit shorter. Um, if you're a Beatles fan, definitely give it a watch. Um, it puts a lot of things into a new perspective. And also it's just a lot of fun to just watch them playing around and come up with some of the, the their greatest hits just in a studio together. It's a, it's a really surreal moment. Um, has anyone watched the, the documentary? I've seen a little bit of the first one and I'm planning on sitting down and getting through all of it at some point. Yeah, it, it definitely, Sam, as you said, really shines a new light on the uh, the people behind the sort of like mythology of the these figures. Uh, one thing that did bother me a lot though was watching it and seeing how there's a lot of, uh, like a lot of bad dubbing. Like it seems like they really lift lines from other conversations and drop them on top of footage. And yeah. it does really reframe and recontextualize a lot of what is supposed to be a very raw documentation of what's going on that fe- makes it feel a little bit disingenuous, but I'm still reserving my judgment to tell I've seen the whole thing. I think actually Peter Jackson talks about that in, a, in an interview um, because wh- when I was with my family in California, literally everything was Beatles, all Beatles all the time. So we were watching it on the TV. We were listening to it in the car. And I heard so many interviews with Peter Jackson about this. And, uh, I too don't know how I feel about that because it's certainly leading you in one direction. I mean, you, you get to see each, each of the four guys in a, in a totally new light. You see, you're really watching the death of the band, which is sad. Um, but you also see where rumors come from, where some of the best songs come from. So uh, even with the the editorial pieces, the bits that um, 
Peter Jackson has done, I, I still think it, it's it's worth a watch. Although there is this one moment where John and Paul go to lunch together and they hide um, like a, a voice recorder in a potted plant and they tape their conversation. That's messed up. I got to say, obviously that's not Peter Jackson, but um, that's a little messed up. Yeah, I don't know. Just documenting a conversation. Was anyone unwilling in that conversation? I don't know, but they didn't know about it. Oh, so they were taped and they were unaware of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah. Well, anyway, give it a watch if you want. Um, it is very long, so it is a commitment. It's a good one to make. Um, I recommend, too, on the subject, actually, a really great book called You Never Give Me Your Money, The Beatles After the Breakup, which kind of details the legal struggles that they went through uh, outside of that studio scenario. So it's a really cre- cool companion piece to go along with it. Oh, that's really cool. What's it called again? Uh, that's uh, You Never Give Me Your Money, which is titled after one of their songs, uh, colon, The Beatles After the Breakup. Okay. Speaking of music documentaries, I want to see the new Kenny G documentary that looks really intriguing. It's an HBO documentary that essentially, like, basically delves into Kenny G's life, but also the trajectory of his career and the fact that he is so, he is like, you know, ridiculed by sort of music tastemakers and jazz musicians, all this stuff, but he's one of the like highest uh, grossing and number one selling artists, music artists in the world. And so it like deals with that interesting, I guess that interesting contrast and like what it means to be a musician like Kenny G who's like pretty critically and maligned, (laughs) but yet is really successful. And I'm like really intrigued by that as subject matter. Yeah. I mean, I was about to jokingly guess like, what is this called? Like elevator music portrait of an artist, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. I think it's something straightforward, like listening to Kenny G, but yeah, I, I just, I, I find him really uh, fascinating, but anyhow, or we should do a whole music doc month. That would be fun. That would be fun. Um, Christine, you know what else I find fascinating? Cold movies. And that just so happens to be our newest theme. Uh, we did this once before, I think back in year one of Butter With That. And why not keep a good thing going? So um, keeping the spirit of cold movie going. I picked Spirit of Christmas um, mostly because... Uh, I I wanted to see how much Dave was going to hate it, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> so um, this wasn't like a punishment or anything, but it was just a, I wonder how this is going to go. So the, the movie came out in 2015. As far as I'm aware, it was just like a lifetime movie. So those, those don't typically get theatrical releases. So no box office, nothing like that. Writer Tracy... Andreen. It's starring Jenna, Jen Lilly, Thomas Bedone, Robert Walsh, Joanna Harrington, and more. The synopsis, I stole this from lifetime.com. Uh, with a promotion on the line, ambitious young lawyer Kate heads to Vermont to broker the sale of 
an old inn. Kate has her work cut out for her when she learns is haunted. And she meets Daniel Forsythe, a handsome man who died 90 plus years ago. Each year, Daniel takes human form exactly 12 days before Christmas, unable to move on with the mystery of his death still unsolved. Determined to help Daniel, Kate finds herself in an unlikely romance with the dashing Christmas spirit. Um, what a hilarious synopsis. Thank you, Lifetime. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot to say about this movie and also very little to say about it because it's just it's just so. Um, so the biggest things that I want to talk about is the acting, the plot premise, and whether or not this is actually a good movie. So I think I'm the only one who has seen this movie. So folks thoughts thoughts about the spirit of christmas um so yeah this, this was my first time seeing spirit of christmas uh it kind of launched however a full week in which i watched four other christmas movies three of which were hallmark or lifetime or just <laughs> made for youtube i don't know but so it's been a really wonderful um, week of just seeing all the different sort of iterations of Christmas, or at least five different iterations of Christmas movie. And I think that uh, I enjoyed this one as compared to some of the other ones that I watched. I will say, uh, I think Jen Lilly, for the most part, carries the movie because although I was reading some of the Google reviews that were like, Daniel, and what's Jen Lilly's character's name? Kate. Kate, Daniel and Kate have like immense chemistry or like really hot chemistry and all that. They're beautiful to look at together. However, I think Thomas Baudouin is like cardboard <laughs> and she's literally trying her best <laughs> to talk to cardboard and make a movie out of it. So I really commend Jen Lilly for infusing scenes with the energy they needed to make up for the both of them. Although it also makes for some hilariously imbalanced scenes where Daniel Forsyth is standing in the corner and sort of in a delayed manner delivering his lines and then eating. And it, it makes for some interesting scene dynamics. However, good for, good for Jen for like <laughs> giving it her all. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, you know, I, I like this. I think once the movie kicked into its murder mystery narrative, I, I, I was intrigued. Um, ha had some questions uh, about the plot and about some characters, but we can go into that later. But for the most part, enjoyable. Well, so the spirit of Christmas. I've not seen this before either. Uh, it was my first time going through it. Um, I've seen a number of, Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movies. And I've seen a, kind of a fair number of Mar Vista Entertainment and uh, Johnson Production Group stuff, which it, they create properties for both uh, this Amara Vista production. I've seen some of the more like extreme and ridiculous, like the crazed character kind of versions of that. Like you're, you're stalked by my doctors, um, your deadly mile high club, devil diary, the sort of like the kind of lifetime shit where it is the aura of a lifetime movie or a Hallmark movie, but there's a really ridiculous and like sinister twist every like several minutes. Those are kind of the ones that I'm more drawn to as opposed to the Christmas ilk, because I think a lot of the Hallmark or lifetime or Mar Vista entertainment, um, Johnson production group stuff, 
all kind of just rings of the same formula every time. And this movie does do that for the most part, but there are a handful of curveballs that do make it interesting. Uh, I don't know that I would say it is a good movie. Well, I wouldn't say it's a good movie. I, I don't know that I would necessarily say though, either that it's a good, bad movie. I think it's a movie that just sort of unfolds and is uh, up until maybe the last five or 10 minutes when I just kind of lost my mind, which we'll get to. But see, so yeah, on the whole, I was pretty indifferent. Uh, I did watch it three times because I know Sam was uh, was a fan and was going to want to talk about some of the more ridiculous stuff in it. So I was trying to mine it for more for what I was supposed to be looking for. And I I ultimately feel as though I didn't find it, but I did enjoy watching it on the whole. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Christine. Um, you know, <laughs> this movie. So I'm a, I'm a little bit of a humbug. I a little bit of a Grinch. I tend to not like Christmas movies. I tend to not watch them. But my roommates are very, very different. And, you know, you end up watching things. You end up liking things. Uh <laughs> Normally, when someone is really excited to show me something, I always try to give it a shot. And, you know, this movie comes on. I was like, oh, God. And then just kind of went with it and was like, you know, it's uh, it could be worse. I enjoyed it to some degree. There is a, a part of like 13 year old me that still lives here that loves like a ghost love story. So um, I was. I was intrigued by that part, but uh, Dave, Christine, I really hear what you're both saying. I have so many questions. And then I also, I have no questions because I'm like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) It does not matter. Um, But Christine, something that I actually have in my notes is talking about the chemistry between Kate and Daniel, because I actually thought that they did. And so um, I'd love to hear more about what you thought and Dave, like where maybe you weigh in on that. Like, is Daniel stiff as a board? Is that just the, the direction he was given? Is there anything to him? Who knows? What do you guys think? I think he's stiff as a board. Uh, okay. I so I did some research and I looked up some interviews with him. And he basically is exactly how we presented in the movie. He's just like like so cardboard, but but it but in an intriguing way. A side note: He also uh, just launched a new pocket square company where he literally just designs men's pocket squares. And there is a there's like a line from. Uh, you just got to look up his website because there are some interesting lines about like fa- uh, two things I like a lot are fashion and time. It's literally something to that effect. So I think that pretty much sums up who Thomas Baudouin and Daniel Forsyth are as people and characters. But something that struck me at the beginning is so he's like, the ghost of this house. I did like the opening scene when that was quite startling and unsettling when he just gets clocked in the back of the head and it dies. And you're like, holy shit, this is off to an intense start. But I just found when I forgot her name again, Kate, Kate, when she first arrives and she encounters him as a ghost, he's like, he's rude, but like kind of rude in a way where it's like, unconvincingly rude like like picking her up and dragging her out of the house but with no other substance behind it and then later I thought that he was sort of unconvincingly lovelorn 
Um, so that's kind of all, all I'll have to say. I, I just think he brought nothing <laughs> to the character. He, he was nice to look at, you know, that, that I'll give you that, but it just energy wise brought nothing to the table. That's why this guy was cast. This is a handsome man. It's a, it's a, it's a Henry Cavill with bigger bluer eyes. The difference though, is that Henry Cavill can act. Um, I think this guy, yeah, Thomas, uh, Thomas uh, Bud- Boudouin, is it? Christine, you were doing that's, a good job with it. No. Uh, that's, <laughs> I think the B-E-A-U is like Bo or Bo. I, yeah. Thomas uh, playing Daniel Forsyth. Um, it, it, it's hard to criticize his acting because he doesn't act in this film. I mean, he's awful. I, I haven't seen acting this stiff and this removed and self-distanced in a very long time. And I think that a lot of... The reviews that I've read do praise the chemistry between the two leads, uh, both he and uh, Jen Lilly as Kate. I like. I just. I think you can't make an argument that there is good chemistry between two actors if one of them is doing that bad of a job. And I, I like Jen Lilly. Like she tries, but she she for me has like three acting modes, all of which kind of have the same sort of expression that feels a little bit like detached and not that expressive. So yeah, I, I don't think anyone acted well in this film uh, at all. <laughs> I guess I'm just so used to watching some of the other Hallmark Christmas movies with my roommates and just being like, I can't handle this, to finally being hit with one where I was like, you know, it's not so bad. <laughs> that really makes it stand out. And I don't know, Jen Lilly, I think, I found her very, very endearing. Whereas usually in these Hallmark movies, I can't stand the leads that they have because they're so typecast and stereotypical that it really just irks me. Um, but the, yeah, I mean, the acting from everyone is so subpar. Like even the 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 minor characters, the guy who's like running the inn and even her boss, I'm just like, ew. Interesting. I did, what, I mean, what I, endeared you to her performance, just out of curiosity? I think it's just her in general. I think that I like that she's a little feisty, um, but very kind and, uh, you know, really <laughs> determined to see something through. I think I like, whereas in like, you know, in, in, in some of the other movies, it's always like a, like a damsel that's just down on her luck and, um, can't really do anything without the dude and and this didn't feel quite like that that's the interesting thing for me though i think the writing on the page the script itself there is chemistry between the two written characters i just don't think either actor brings chops to the table to express it personally yeah maybe that's maybe that's where i fell off with it i think for me i i happen to agree with sam i thought that she brought energy that was required by the role and imagine, okay, imagine it's day one of shooting and you walk onto set and you rehearse a scene and realize that your co-star is literally bringing nothing. <laughs> imagine what mental gymnastics you must then do to figure out how to make this movie happen. Like, maybe that's not what was going through her mind, but I could imagine going through that and then being like, I got to ratchet my energy up to like a million and whether or not that's going to be an effective way to like portray my character. I don't know, but something needs to be done to 
infuse this scene with energy. And I can, I, I can see, yeah, Dave, there are times where like you sort of three, see one of three modes. She's really excited or she's like a go-getter. And like, it's like, those are sort of very forward modes, but I could imagine myself <laughs> going into those modes. If I was to step into a situation in which my counterpart <laughs> was like a piece of paper <laughs> And therefore, I commend her performance for at least giving some zhuzh to, like, you know, the scenes. <laughs> she was, I, I respect that she was put in an impossible position given her co-star, yes. I'm, I'm just still so caught up on the pocket square thing. Like, I have not moved on. Um, <laughs> and it, it really does say a lot about that actor. Jeez Fashion ladies. and time. And time? What the hell? Well, okay. So, okay. So you have you have Kate, you have Daniel, um, and they fit into this ghost love story whodunit. The, the premise, I like. I, I have to say it. I like the idea that there is this, there's this inn in Vermont that's haunted by a man who used to own it, who was a, a rum runner back in the day and he was murdered and haunted ever since. But, um, you know, Dave, you, you said that the movie lost you at some points. It's, it's the 12 days for me that just really makes I mean, I barely want to say makes no sense because the, the the movie doesn't make much sense. Honestly, if you start applying logic to to one thing, you have to apply to it all and just like nothing more really works. But like why 12 days of Christmas? Like I get it. But like why? Why did it happen? Well, that's that? that's the amount of time that he was away doing rum running while he was away from his wife while he promised he wouldn't do it. So that yeah. hence it's sort of a, a you know, an inversion of that time. Now you're trapped in the house that you so uh so abandoned to betray my trust and do this illegal activity. But also, yes, 12 Days of Christmas. It, it's just like so random. I Like, I get it. I hear you. But also, <laughs> really? I mean, the thing that I found uh, a little bit ridiculous about the way this movie frames the mystery involved, because as, as we go on, Kate is trying to help him unriddle why this has been happening to him because it's happened to him every year for 95 years. He keeps appear, reappearing in this house and he doesn't know why and doesn't know how to escape this cycle. And I guess otherwise he's just in some like liminal space that he can't really explain, but describes as terrifying. But the biggest flaw I think in the mystery is so like in the beginning, in these flashbacks and every time they recur, we see that he's struck from behind while watching two of the three characters that we meet from his past talking on the porch. So like, I know exactly who it is the whole time. <laughs> You did? I was surprised. Because, because there was a it's, either, it's either the one character that we don't see him see or it's someone we've never met. I also think I, I think the actors that played his brother and his business partner looked so much alike that I literally they thought they were the same person. So the big reveal I don't think was as exciting because I think I thought it was his his brother who I was like, oh, wait, he yeah. Agreed, Dave. Yeah, like it definitely limits uh, the red herring, the options for red herrings. Although I was pretty convinced that it was um, going to somehow be his wife, even though he saw oh. his wife on the porch. Um, Lily with the blow to the head. Wow. I, I feel like anything could have happened in that movie. You know, kind if of he rough. can appear in the flesh for 12 days, she can break through the space-time continuum, and both be in the porch and behind his head at the same time. 
this movie opens up those possibilities with its um, <laughs> loose narrative structure. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Like, I love the idea that the inn is haunted, right? And it's haunted by this very attractive man with a tragic past. But then you find out there's someone else there. And that's kind of scary. But then at the very end of the movie, you find out that it's like the wife and the business partner. And you're like, for what? All this for what? This is stupid. And it was the wife's, the reason why Daniel has returned to earth for 95 years for 12 (laughs) days is because his wife gave him a, a gift to return. But like, what? Like, how long had it been between his death and her death? Because presumably if there was like a, at least another Christmas season, like he would have come back and she could have talked to him, right? Cause like she had a baby, whatever. I, again, applying too much thought and logic to this. I, I can't, I shouldn't do it. I was very pleasantly surprised that there was no fight over Daniel, you know, like, cause yeah. then you have, once you figure out the fact that the wife still like, she presents as a ghost or she's as a ghost then and you see them together and you're like, oh, they're reunited. So like, does that mean that he's going to join her in the realm where she, the ghost realm where she is? Or is he going to stay with Kate now that they have a budding relationship? And I was like, this is going to veer into that uh, well-worn like trope of like women fighting over because I I saw it in this other movie I watched this week, Dear Santa, where the whole movie, it's just two women fighting over the main guy, which appears in a lot of those movies and just every budget movie. Every, anyhow. But I was kind of surprised that she was just totally cool with <laughs> just sort of uh, <laughs> letting him do his thing, <laughs> which Dave... You seem to have uh, a very animated I'm reaction. I'm just over here writhing, yeah. <laughs> yes, well, it's, it's the whole end of the movie. It's like, in the last five minutes, it throws out <laughs> the character arcs of both our main characters. Because after after just under a century of waiting for each other, when Daniel is hesitant about what sounds like a blissful eternity reunited with his lost love and the son he sired but never met, Lily is just like, uh, to, her, to the movie's credit, it doesn't squabble over him, but it's also like, well, I guess you've known her for, what, under two weeks? No, no, I'll just, I'll fuck off to heaven alone. And you, you'd explain to your son that it's going to be a while, even though we could be united and the hereafter forever. Also, her arc totally unravels too, because at the end, her boss calls her from the office on Christmas morning to say something to the effect of like, hey, just so you know, like someone's put an offer in on the inn. Just thought you should know about it. And then he adds, it makes sense if you think about it. Which, no, it doesn't. No one's going to make this offer on Christmas morning and have someone in the office to receive it. But also beyond that, it entirely diffuses her arc because she's her character is presented with a choice of the kind of like abstinent professionalism that these Hallmark or Lifetime movies often saddle women with because a woman with a satisfying relationship and a career, come on, get out of here. (laughs) But like, but she's got a choice. She can either like maintain this kind of abstinent professionalism, or she can be in a relationship with a ghost man, a man ghost, 
But the point being that in the end, having struggled to make this choice, she gets the guy and the promotion anyway, which sort of deflates the gravity of that choice entirely in the last five minutes of the movie. <laughs> and then it just ends. It just ends too with like, he comes back, he comes trudging across the field and she runs through the snow and they, they embrace. And uh, he says something to the effect of like, I don't want just 12 days. I want forever. And then the movie just ends. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, you can't take my plate. I'm not finished eating. I don't know what this is yet. Is he a man? Is he a ghost? Is it just 12 days? Does he have an average lifetime now? Is he like a vampire man who is made of flesh, but she will age? I don't know. <laughs> wow. I, I didn't even think about it that way. I was mostly concerned with, um, did he just wake up where he died? And then, <laughs> yeah. At the end, I had that same question. Where the fuck did he go? Because there was a lot of other action that had he disappeared, and you're like, oh, what's going to happen? Does he get to be a like a normal man or whatever? Yeah, right. Pieces for like a like a good fifteen minutes of the movie, and then as Dave was saying at the end, the last scene is him snowshoeing casually <laughs> through the woods, and you're like, where were you? Were you hunting? Were you hiking? Were you and then as to Sam's point, was he returning from the place he died? Maybe that that is a good guess. That is maybe it though? I don't know. Although any guess bad is as editing good as any other because it doesn't tell you anything at the end. Yeah, he's clearly emerging from the woods, and the scene establishes at the beginning of the movie that he dies in the clearing right in front of the house. He's not emerging from the woods. So some weird continuity issues. My big hang up is the fact that the neighbor lady who runs the other inn in town doesn't recognize Daniel Forsyth because literally there is a right. framed article and photograph of him in the hallway right when you walk in. And she's like, ooh, who's this mystery man? It's like, literally, you've been in this house. How have you not seen this article with his picture? And he's literally wearing the same out. He doesn't change his outfit. <laughs> he is the man in the picture. But that's that was my biggest plot hang up. There's also the thing, too, with her where, like, she's she's this uh, friend, a divorce friend to this, this single inn owner. And they kind of have, like, this chemistry. At the end, he reveals to Kate that he is, in fact, the one that bought the inn. Um, largely because, you know, he wants, he wants to help Daniel, which a great time to buy the end. He's off the hook now. Um, but I also just wanted the, like that lady to be standing in the corner as they're having that conversation about Daniel as a ghost and that being why he bought the inn because she went in on the inn with him. And I wanted her to like drop a box and be like, um, what? <laughs> we bought this for a ghost. The whole time he was a ghost the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And what's she going to do with, oh, right. Her inn got flooded. There was something wrong with her inn. Yeah. 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 So now they, uh, they, I guess maybe they're like, okay, well, we can own this inn and we can market it as a haunted inn. Oh shit! Now he's the man and he can leave. <laughs> oh my god! I want, I want, uh, Tim. I wanna. I think you should leave. Sketch from the most recent season when he's like going on that tour of the haunted <laughs> mansion. <laughs> but I want it to be in the world of the spirit of Christmas. It's just like, what's with this fucking bartender? swearing all the time i oh wait there was one other thing i had quite a question about and you I don't say 
I'll I'll think of it in a sec. Oh, if there's one reason to watch this movie, it's during uh, scenes with more than four people in it, like a party, supposed party scene, and just watch all the extras in the movie because it is <laughs> a glory to behold what these extras are doing. <laughs> like these most stilted reactions and conversations in some of the party scenes. <laughs> There's this one shot, I won't really be able to recreate it in a way that it deserves, but it's in one of their like pre-Christmas parties, everyone's getting festive, and there's this like like 10-year-old boy and this man, and they're having a conversation, and the man, the man is just like, oh my god, you don't say, as the camera is just sweeping across, just to establish that there are people attending this party, and the kid is like, oh my gosh, and it is just the most, the hammiest extra acting that needs to be witnessed to it's believe. It's like a newsy in the corner. <laughs> hey, everybody, hot off the presses. Yeah, right. The director's just like, all right, everyone, just follow your heart on this one. We're going to take one. Sh- we're going to we're going to try the first take and uh, just see where 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 you go with it. <laughs> It's like that Bob's Burgers joke where every, it's like, okay, everybody act natural. It's like, oh no, too many people tying their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. You know, I'm sure it's really hard to be an extra and look natural. I, I'm sure that's really hard, but I think this crew could have done a little bit better. It's just, you know, from minute one, it makes no sense. Like they were worried about the inn staying in the family. And then yet when that woman dies, she's the, the last fourth side or whatever. And so somehow they still managed to, like it wasn't actually a problem. They did it just fine. Like so starting from right there. It, it, and then just, why does somebody have to buy it? Like, can't they just operate it? You know, I mean, I guess I know why somebody has to own it, but like can't the estate just like continue to operate? Why are, are there bills that have to be paid? Like what's going on? I don't understand. Well, it's all that food he's eating, which by the way, yeah. What's up with the food? I mean, I guess he explains, the innkeeper explains as we watched Daniel like down a whole turkey that like he, he every time he comes back, he enjoys the sensation of eating, which again illustrates more that he is like there in corporal form rather than like a ghost. And it's, it just becomes so confusing. Well, honestly, if the movie had leaned more into what it's like for him returning only for 12 days every year, I think it could have been really funny. Like, this, the, they tried to make the eating thing funny, and it was sort of, okay, whatever. But if they really did more stuff like the fact that, oh, yeah, he's really hungry, or like he doesn't taste food for the other, you know, how many days of the year, and this is when he gets to really... Uh, really go for it. I think there could have been some other fo- like opportunities for humor, like based on his current circumstance. But the it, the fact that they just tried to do one joke and repeat it over and over, it was very bizarre. Um, Christine, I think they tried two jokes, and the the second oh, the- joke. The second joke is something that I I keep with me almost every day is when he falls asleep outside. And he wakes up, just like sits straight up after being outside all night and goes, well, that's new because he doesn't (laughs) sleep. (laughs) Yeah, that is a good bit. So more bits. I just maybe I just wanted more bits. Uh, It's funny that uh, Kate always wakes up on the couch or like 
like somehow something will happen, like a creepy sound or whatever, and she'll faint or like <laughs> whatever. And she always just like wakes up on the couch with like a blanket draped over her. And she's just like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Or in the mm. same spot she fell asleep in, like when she falls asleep on that bed, she just like wakes up. I mean, granted, I've had nights like that where I have not moved a bit, but like she didn't even, there's no like even like imprint on the pillow. She just like... And then I woke up and it was that. That's it. In that like track suit. Like I feel like she's <laughs> always wearing a track suit <laughs> when she wakes up. Yeah. This is the benefit of dating a ghost slash man that is also a bartender. <laughs> you never know where you're going to wake up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I got to gotta give it to Jen, but. Mm. I, I'd say that one thing that I, I would recommend watching it uh, just as a curio because the more I watched it, like the second time around, it almost felt like it was like a parody of Hallmark Christmas movies, like where it's calling attention to how heightened the ridiculousness is, is of the formula by adding these unexplained elements, mm-hmm. um, which is perhaps, I don't know, giving the movie more credit than it deserves. I don't think that is what it's going for. No. But if you approach it as parody, it, it accidentally kind of sticks to landing as a parody of like your typical Hallmark Christmas movie by turning it on its head in some ridiculous way. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think you're giving this movie too much credit, but I still love <laughs> that analysis. Nonetheless, um, my roommates and I, we had, we had like a, an intense discussion at the very beginning of the movie when it sets up that Kate is uh, really not emotionally invested in the relationship she's had throughout. Oh God, life. this dinner. Yeah, the the dinner that she's having and the guy's breaking up with her and she's like, oh, thank God, I, I thought you were going to propose. And she's yeah, as like, he's saying like, look, I'll never bring out the person that you are in you. She's like, oh, is this going to be an engagement? <laughs> like what? And then, so she says, we, we establish what his name is. So let's just say it's like Lance. And then as she's talking, she's like, and Josh, blah, 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 blah. And then Lance this, and then blah, blah, blah. And then we were like, were there two Lances? Or should he just like forgot that he was Lance and just said that? So we were very, very confused. Uh, that that turned into like an argument. <laughs> Like when she was saying, when she was like recalling past relationships in which this had also occurred Uh and she included his name as if to say he was also interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Were there two Lances or was she just like not even aware of who she was with and talking to that she just like threw his name in there too? I don't know. I'm going to have to watch this a fourth time. (laughs) (laughs) Dave investigates. (laughs) The mystery of the lances. The, this is the deepest mystery of Spirit of Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this movie is what it is. It's a lifetime Hallmark movie. Um, I, I agree. I think you should just give it a watch if you have like an extra hour and a half. It it, it can't hurt you. Um, it moves too. It goes by fast. Yeah, it moves. And it's interesting. They're attractive. That's that's really... <laughs> If you just need to like dissociate for just a little bit, um, forget your problems. This is a good one to watch, I think. But um, before we wrap up the conversation, I want to check in to see if there's anything else that like really stood out for you in the movie. And then also our big question, was the snow real? Which like, it it really looks real. My God. Have you found any evidence either way? 
Well, no. the inn where it was filmed is in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were pretty much filming on location or like, you know, the movie established that it was in Massachusetts. And sure enough, the inn that they used is in Massachusetts, which I feel like is unusual for a movie like this, because I watched an, Dear Santa is supposed to be New York City. And it was filmed in both uh, Philadelphia and like Toronto or something. It was like, this is not New York City. <laughs> I'm not finding it either way. But yeah, it does look like the snow on the ground is is real. Uh, it might do one of those things that a lot of these movies do where the snow on the ground is real and the falling snow is digital. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure one way or the other. It also really did look cold as hell for those actors at some point. Mm-hmm. It really did. So, you know what? Props to them for freezing out their talent. <laughs> okay, there was like one... like the Revenant. <laughs> this conversation actually made me think of one scene where they're having a conversation, a very, uh, I think, central... Or a conversation very central to the, like, thrust of the plot. Like, one of, like, the big scenes. And they start it inside... They're like talking about something and then mid conversation, it like cuts and they're outside and it's beautiful and it's snowing. And part of me, I remember thinking this while I was watching this, I part of me was like, were they filming this inside? And then everyone looks outside and sees that it's snowing. And they're like, wait, 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 we need to finish this important scene when it looks really, really beautiful outside. (laughs) And I was like, I guess that's thinking on your feet when you're trying to deal with snow and winter weather. Because I think there were some beautiful scenes that incorporated snow. And to my eyes, it didn't look like CGI'd. It looked like they picked up and moved outside because it was conveniently beautiful. Yeah, it really did look like snow. Yeah, and you can see like the actor's breath on occasion too. So like, obviously a cold setting either way. Another mystery. My goodness. When will it end? Anything else about this movie that you wanted to talk about? It's an easy, breezy film to watch. Any small quirks that came out that you thought worth mentioning? I did sort of love Jen Lilly's reaction when the the first time that she sees the other phantom presence that just appears as like this, like almost like hooded ghosty figure. It's like got no like defining features. It's just sort of like this cloaked specter that appears in her closet. And... <laughs> And when it cuts back to her, it's, it's her screaming. And the scream itself is pretty unconvincing. It's just sort of like an, ah! But e- <laughs> even then, she's just like sort of wide-eyed and like doesn't move. And it's just like, it feels very comical accidentally. <laughs> Especially then when he bur- Daniel bursts in right after. Yeah, just little, yeah, a lot of little moments that are just uh, pretty crazy. When when they have uh, their dance, their kind of like reconciliation dance during that big Christmas party, and it like the sound kind of starts to drop out of the scene as it zooms in, and, and there's an almost hazy glow around the two, the two of them are finally our two romantic leads embracing and dancing at this holiday party as she has this stunning red dress, and he's decked to the nines. And then the, it just like suddenly the music pipes back in at like a big punch. And in the same frame, the sheriff just bumps in and is just like, hey, I'm going to take this dance and just that destroys the sentimentality of the scene. Oh, God. And her her dress is beautiful. She looked great. Her hair was terrible. Why would you do <laughs> like a side pony like that? It looks so bad. Oh, my God. Um. There's also this like really gratuitous scene that I love. Um, she's like, she wakes up in the morning. She's looking for Daniel. She finds him up in his, like his attic room or whatever. And for some reason he's ironing his shirt 
Um, but he's shirtless. Like, ugh. I'm so glad you brought up that scene because it is so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> He's slowly ironing shirtless. Looks like they've sprayed oil on his back. <laughs> like, what is this situation? It's like it's this close to having like an 80s sensual sax solo behind it. Yes. Totally. Totally. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that scene. Oh, I found the exact quote from an interview. Okay. With Thomas Baudouin about his, uh, it's uh, about his patch square company. Hmm. He said, I like to break the barriers of time with my outfits and create a timeless look for myself. (laughs) So if you want to see someone breaking the barriers of time with his outfits, then look up Bond or no, I think it's Bolden Taylor is the company. I can't help but wonder if maybe he got that idea from this movie. Cause like, he, I, I guess he's doing like the same was, thing no matter whether he's acting or making pocket squares. I feel like this was a product rollout with the spirit of Christmas. Like, you don't say shit like I break the barriers of time with my outfits if you're not trying to plug a movie in which you are a time-traveling ghost as well. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's how... Maybe he's like an EP. Maybe that's how he got the role in the movie. <laughs> Can you... Could a person sound more dull? I don't think so. I genuinely... I don't know. I'm reading a line because I have a line, and this will be the end of the line when I'm done delivering the line. Kate. Every time. God. Um, wow. Well, everybody, that's the spirit of Christmas. Um, give it a watch. Let us know what you think about it. We're going to continue this theme of cold movies next week. Uh, anything we want to say about upcoming episodes? Hell yes, I do want to say before watching or listening next week, uh, it's probably best to watch the movie. Uh, I have i don't think we've ever done this on the show, suggesting that people should watch it uh, so that it's spoiler-free before tuning in to listen to our, our discussion. But this uh, next week's episode is one that you should go into uh, totally blind. So watch it before listening. Uh, that would be Pottersville. That's starring Michael Shannon, Ron Perlman, uh, Christina Hendricks, and uh, others. Uh, I won't tell you what it is, and you shouldn't look it up. You should just find it. It's on Netflix, I believe, right now. So go ahead and watch it, and then join us next week as we talk about it, because uh, it's probably best if you don't know what you're getting yourself into before we sink our teeth into it via discussion. But please note the star-studded cast. (laughs) Yes, the star-studded and jarringly miscast cast (laughs) oh god well look forward to it next week folks um thanks for listening find us on all of our socials uh butter with that uh, on instagram butter with that one on twitter butter with that podcast at gmail.com send us an email um and let us know what you think so as we say here have a good whatever folks take care (laughs) 